Buckle up, folks, because this is the Stephen or Else podcast. We're talking funeral for a friend, and there will be spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and I freaking broke my mind this week trying to come up with some crazy thing I could do for April Fool's Day because this episode is being released on April 1st, and I had all kinds of crazy things in mind, and I would have loved to have done them, but I just didn't have the time. I just didn't simply have the time. I ain't got time for the fun. I ain't got time for the silliness. And who has to suffer? You. You, the listener, you have to suffer due to the lack of April Fool's goodness. But you know, here's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of of April Fool's Day. I'm not a big prank kind of guy. I love when they do that kind of stuff on sitcoms. You know, they always have the April Fool's episode on a lot of the sitcoms where they play pranks on each other. I like that kind of stuff. What I don't like is going to, for example, my favorite comic book news website and finding an article about a new comic coming out that, to me, sounds like the most wonderful idea since sliced bread and then realizing, oh, wait a minute, it's April Fool's Day. Is this a serious article or not? And sometimes they will tell you in the article, oh, by the way, April Fool's. And sometimes they won't. Sometimes you won't know until the next day. And I don't like that. It hurts my heart. It makes my heart hurt. Don't make my heart hurt. So I've decided after uh, picking the brain, coming up with a bunch of great ideas, anything from... You know, I had at one point I was going to contact another podcast and say, hey, can I use the first five minutes of one of your shows and open up my show with it? So maybe people might think, oh, um, somehow I got the wrong feed. But I don't think I would have been fooling anybody. I and, and in the end, if anybody comes back to the episode, you know, a year later, two years later, it's not the, uh, April 1st. They may go, why Why is he doing this? This is dumb. So I just decided to throw it all in the trash and just move forward with what we're doing this week. And it is the first episode of the month, which does mean that we are continuing on with our talk about the death and return of Superman. And that means we're talking funeral for a friend this week. But before we do that, because as I said, it is the first episode of the month, That means I have to pick someone from our pie-in-the-sky tier over at the Patreon to see who is going to win a stack of comics from my collection. And after pulling a name from the hat, our winner this week, or this month, because I don't do it every week, I don't know why I said that. Can we just move on? Can we ignore that and move on? Can we do that? Let's do that. Our winner this month is... Kevin Quas. Congratulations, Kevin, and I want to thank you for supporting me on Patreon. I'm going to select a stack of comics, and I'm going to get them right in the mail to you. All right, so Funeral for a Friend, let's just get into it. We start with The Adventures of Superman, number 498. This was written by Jerry Ordway, pencils by Tom Grummet, inks by Doug Hazelwood, letters by Albert de Guzman, and what? Who's that? Glenn Whitmore on colors. The guy's only been coloring every freaking book in this entire thing. He's, I, I've mentioned it before, he's cleaning up. Of course, I don't think, uh, I don't think the event has anything to do with it. I just think, uh, he must have been a really great colorist. He was in demand. He was the colorist for the Superman books. All right. So we open right where the death of Superman left us. Lois is there. She's kneeling in the rubble with Superman's body. She looks like she's in shock, which, of course, she is. This is her husband. No one else there realizes that. No one knows that this is her, well, not her husband. They hadn't been married yet. That was the whole point of this Superman story. This is her fiancé, her boyfriend, the love of her life, 
the man she was going to spend the rest of her life with, and now she is there with his lifeless body. That sounds dark. Did I go a little, I almost said corpse. That would have been too dark. And I stopped and just quickly changed it to body. And it was still a little dark. I went a little dark there, folks. I'm sorry. So Bloodwind is there and he's still spelling his name with a Y, Y-N-D, W-Y-N-D. Why? I don't know. Anyway, he has to spirit ice away due to injuries that she sustained while fighting Doomsday. And uh, Jimmy asks Lois if Superman is truly dead. Double X is there. He's the, the DN alien dude. And he tells everybody gathered that he cannot detect any brainwaves. He's like a telepath, a very powerful telepath who looks like an alien goat man. Uh, the SCU, the Special Crimes Unit, um, they go to make sure that Doomsday is dead. But a little rumbling occurs you know, like an aftershock or something, and, it, and and Doomsday moves, and they start freaking out. But Dublix reassures them that he too is gone. He has not f- detected any brain waves. Well, Lois, Lois is 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 inconsolable at this point, and she doesn't understand why nobody's doing anything. And so Guardian steps up, and he attempts CPR on Superman. But as he says, it's like trying to fill a steel tank. His lungs are like steel tanks, and he's finding it very difficult. EMS does arrive, and they try to take over. Uh, Dan Turpin, he's there, and he turns away because he, he just can't watch it anymore. And that's when he discovers the injured Supergirl. She's still in her protoplasmic state, so she looks kind of, well, she looks like a, I'm going to go dark again. She looks like the burnt husk of a corpse. And that's what he thinks she is at first until she moves and opens her eyes. And he's like, ah! but, you know, it's Supergirl. And that's when Luther arrives and he takes her away. So the EMS crews, they continue to try to revive Superman. Cat Grant's there. She and Jimmy lead Lois away and they suggest trying to find the doctor. There was a doctor that helped Superman a, a number of times. Uh, one of the times he was shot with a kryptonite bullet. But so they're trying to, you know, Lois, you're a reporter. You have to remember that. You have to, you have to snap out of this and be a reporter. Lois eventually agrees. And then Kat goes on the air to give her report because she's a, a television news reporter. And so watching that report is Jose Delgado and he is with Kat's son. He's, he's Kat's boyfriend. And they're watching this on the TV and Adam, Kat's son, is like, whatever, Superman sucks. And he tries to turn the channel. And Jose just loses it. It just starts yelling at this kid. How dare you? This is Superman. How dare you? And the kid's like, ah, and runs off. And so, of course, Jose, he's pretty, he feels pretty guilty about that. I mean, anytime you scream at a child and make them cry and run away, you're going to feel kind of guilty about it. But he starts musing about his gangbuster outfit because he's gangbuster, if you didn't know that, who is a crime fighter, crime fighter in the night, busting gangs. He doesn't have any superpowers. So he's musing over the costume. He's looking at the outfit and somebody on the TV blasts Superman and he just loses it and he throws his helmet at the TV and breaks the TV. So Jose not handling the death of Superman all that well right now. Then we go to Smallville to Jonathan and Martha Kent who are praying for their son's survival. They're watching this on TV. This was a very sober moment for me. You know, the 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 pieces in the book dealing with Jonathan and Martha and watching this from afar, helpless as their son dies, just, it does, it, you know, it touches me. It does. It, I can, while I cannot relate to finding an alien child in the middle of a cornfield and raising him up to be the greatest superhero the world has ever known, I can relate to raising a child and worrying about that child and feeling helpless when your child is in a situation that you, you have no control over. So those, those, scenes do kind of affect me. 
we go from there to LexCore Tower, LexCorp Tower, and Luther is able to convince Supergirl to shift back into herself, which I guess is not her natural form. Uh, and it does cause her quite a bit of pain, but she is able to do it. Elsewhere in Metropolis, Westfield and the rest of Cadmus, they go to get Doomsday's body and take it away. And to also take away Superman should EMS or the doctors fail to resurrect him. Uh, Dan Turpin doesn't like this. He doesn't like the idea of a bunch of scientists taking Superman away. And he punches Westfield right in the gut. And Westfield goes down. Guardian uh, decides to take over for EMS because, you know, they've got the paddles. They've got the defibrillators. But they're not working on Superman, of course. And so he uses a... Uh, basically, they rig this thing up using using the shock trooper that's there and a device that Professor Hamilton has created. And uh, they basically create a, a more powerful defibrillator. But despite all this, Superman never actually recovers. So Superman has now at this point, they have called it. We go to the Daily Planet. Jimmy is disgusted over the news reports. You know, the news is, they're, they're trying to be the first to proclaim Superman's death. He feels disgusted with himself. Because he took these pictures and he knows that the papers are going to use them. Uh, but Perry talks him out of it, you know, tells him that the world, the world has to see Superman as the hero he was. And, uh, Lois finishes up writing her article, her story about what happened. Jimmy offers to walk her home and they're all, they're all worried about Clark because basically Lois has to use this, um, this tragedy, the destruction of Metropolis, because there are there are hundreds of people missing. And so Clark, at this point, is presumed to be one of them. This takes us into Justice League America, number 70, written and drawn by Dan Jurgens, finished art by Rick Boucher, letters by Willie Schubert, and colors by Gene D'Angelo. What? Gene D'Angelo? What happened to Glenn Whitmore? Well, this isn't an official Superman title, so settle down. Not a lot going on in this issue that I'm going to talk about. Justice League takes Blue Beetle to the hospital. He's in a coma. And then all these superheroes gather round. They come from around the world to the JLA. And they all basically just talk about some of their experiences with Superman. And they all don armbands with his S insignia. And ice creates an ice sculpture of the Man of Steel. Um, I'm not sure what to say about this issue. I mean, I feel that this is an issue. It needed to be done. You needed to have all these heroes talking about the death of Superman um, and how Superman impacted them in their lives. It felt a bit heavy handed, but, you know, I think that's just Dan Jurgens. That's just the way he does things. But what I felt throughout the whole thing, so I have to assume, they don't really talk about it, but you have to assume that from the moment Superman arrived to the moment Superman died, not, there was not a lot of, not a lot of time. It didn't take that much time because these superheroes are showing up and I'm just like, well, where were you? They're all, oh, I wish, you know, oh, Superman, you know, oh, wish we could have helped him. Well, where were you? Wonder Woman is there. Why wasn't she there helping Superman? Where was Captain Marvel or Shazam as he's called now? Where was Captain Adam? You know, there were a lot, there are a lot of very powerful superheroes, maybe not quite at the level of Superman, but very close that they could have helped. So I have to assume that, you know, first of all, you, you just, they don't mention it. They don't talk about it. So you just kind of have to make your own assumptions. And my assumptions have always been, I think most folks, I think most folks, you know, I think, I think there's two things at play here. This is, this is my theory behind it all. I think A, even all the other superheroes, to a certain extent, maybe they would never say it out loud, but in the back of their mind, they see this happening, they hear about it happening, and in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, Superman's there. Superman's got it. And then by the time they realize he doesn't have it, it's just, it's too late. 
it happens so quickly that it's too late for anybody to arrive. Nobody says this. This isn't mentioned. It would have been nice if that was addressed in any way in this story because this is supposed to be a shared universe. I understand it is a Superman story, but if you're going to do an issue that has characters like uh, Wonder Woman and, and, and other powerful characters show up and mourn the loss of Superman... I feel that that question needs to be answered. Why weren't you there? And they never answered that. So you have to kind of come up with your own conclusion. A planet explodes, a baby sent in orbit. It lands in a field, they raise it as their own. Here with us now, the one that we turn to to save us. The last sun to shine, we're counting on you. We're counting on you to save us from the burning buildings. We're counting on you to follow us into the night we're counting on you to pull us up when we are drowning we're counting on you to be true all right so then we continue on into supergirl and action comics number 685 so this was previously superman in action comics but now it's been changed temporarily to supergirl this is written by Roger Stern, art by Jackson Geis, inks by Dennis Rodier, letters by Bill Oakley, and colors by Glenn Whitmore. So we start with a WLEX broadcast. They're, they're reporting uh, on Superman's death. And when a reporter tries to talk about Superman's body and its legality, where, where, where are they going to take Superman's body? The reporter is interrupted as, by uh, Paul Westfield, and his Cadmus soldiers, they burst in. They're demanding Superman's body. The Guardian's there. He's part of Cadmus, but he tries to stop them. But, of course, Westfield pulls rank. Uh, when this news, however, hits Luther, he decides to fix things. Of course, he sends Supergirl and Team Luther to stop them. And uh, once Supergirl finds out what Westfield wants Superman's body for, which is to um, possibly make a clone of Superman, she she puts a stop to everything. There's a, there's a big fight. There's a shootout, basically. And she puts a stop to everything. Luther arrives with the mayor. The mayor is holding papers from the White House declaring that Superman is an American. Because here's the thing. Cadmus has, there's a, a, a law or a, I don't know what you would call it, but basically they have first dibs on any alien body. Any alien body that dies in America they have first dibs to to uh, do the autopsy, you know, uh, do all the things that a scientist would do uh, with an alien body. They have first dibs. But the mayor shows up with these papers from the White House declaring that Superman is an, is an American and not considered an alien. And therefore, Cadmus does not get Superman. He deserves a decent burial. Luther tells them, look, we're going to forget everything that happened here if you guys leave now. Uh, you caused a major scene. Um, maybe we should talk to the authorities. But if you, if you leave now, then we don't, we don't have to go to that next step. And when, the, when, the, when Cadmus arrived, they jammed the signal of the report. So they get that fixed. Um, Luther gets on the air and to deliver a message declaring that a portion of Centennial Park will be the host to Superman's final resting spot, so his his tomb. The Daily Planet, Lois, Perry, and Jimmy, they're listening to the broadcast, and then Perry sends everybody home for the night. Um, Jimmy and Perry worry about Lois. Obviously, why wouldn't they? Because now at this point, it's not just, well, her good friend Superman has died. Nobody can find Clark. Clark's still missing. In Smallville, Lana Lang calls the Kents to check up on him, hoping that what she's hearing on the news is a mistake. It, of course, is not. In a restaurant, three customers who are watching this, they're also in shock. They remember an incident with Superman and Batman saving their town from vampires. 
And then it's just all over from Australia, from Australia to Japan to the Middle East, Africa, Russia. They all hear the news of Superman's death and everyone is affected by it. We go to the coroner's office. Luther is brought in to see Doomsday's body. He asks everyone to leave. He wants a moment alone. And then in just this fit of rage, he smashes a chair across Doomsday's body. We go from there. Lois has has come to Clark's apartment. She gets inside and she collapses. Uh, she, she It kind of dawns on her. She realizes that, that everybody, it can't get out that Superman and Clark Kent were the same person. And it's at that point that she realizes she needs to call Jonathan and Martha Kent. We see some of the villains, a couple of the villains reacting to Superman's death. Uh, Toy Man, he's not happy about it. Uh, however, the parasite is in Star Labs and he's complaining about having to hear the news over and over and over. And then at Stryker's Island, the prisoners are rejoicing over the hero's death. We go to a bank. A police officer notices that they're a group of thugs. They're robbing the building. And when he tries to stop them, they nearly run him over as they escape. Uh, but before they can, Supergirl's there. She stops the crooks, allows the cops to bring him in. And as she leaves, Bibbo catches sight of her and he decides he wants to be by himself. Because, of course, he sees her fly and he's like, is that my favorite? I can't. I, I don't know how to do his his voice. It's like F-A-V apostrophe R-I-T. Fev, favorite, favorite. I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk like Bibbo, but he sees the, the yellow, red, and blue and Superman. They also, depending on who is writing Bibbo, depending on what issue we're talking about, sometimes they have him saying Superman as it is normally spelled. Sometimes they have it spelled S-O-O-P-E-R. So super, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he thinks it's Superman. It's not. And he decides he wants to be by himself. He goes to his bar. He tosses everybody out. And then once he's alone, he prays. That takes us to Superman, the Man of Steel, issue number 20, written by Louise Simonson, pencils by John. Oh, I really needed to practice this name again. Bogdanov? Bogdanov? John Bogdanov? I don't know. Come on. Inks by Dennis Janke, letters by Bill Oakley, and Glenn, I got to hand it to you, man, coloring it once again. All right, so earlier that day, crews start cleaning up the mess that Doomsday left behind. They are, you know, they're they're talking about how life just isn't going to be the same. Things just aren't going to be the same around Metropolis without Superman. Luther is trying to get everything set up for the funeral. He learns that the statue of Superman can't be brought over and Supergirl offers to go bring it herself. In Smallville, Martha is wishing that she could be in Metropolis to watch them bury their son, but of course, Jonathan tells her that they can't. There's really no point for them to be there. There's gonna be thousands of people there. They can't, it's not gonna be the intimate funeral that they would want. At the Daily Planet, people are trying to uh, offer Jimmy, you know, he, he took some great pictures of Superman uh, as he died. There's one particular issue and he's people are trying to get him to cash in on this and, and, and he doesn't want to. Lois, in the meantime, just cannot make herself call Martha and Jonathan. Perry asks her if she wants to go to the burial instead of him. He has been invited as an official representative of the Daily Planet. She says no. She heads to the roof and she just, She's up on the roof. She's had many conversations with Clark up there, and she just wishes he would just show up and it would all be a dream. But as she's up there, she hears the procession. She races back downstairs to the street, um, tripping over a plaque. There's now a plaque in the sidewalk. Superman died right in front of the Daily Planet. Jimmy finds her, and they go, They get into the crowd as the procession passes. There are... Uh, Groups of heroes, the Justice League are there, the Justice Society, the Teen Titans, the Forever People. They're all there. There's even, and I, I don't know what they look like, but from what I understand, a lot of the folks that wrote and worked on these books, they were drawn into the crowd of mourners as well. 
We go to space for some reason to see Lobo, who is upset that he's no longer that that he's upset that Superman's dead. It's like he wanted to be the one. He wants, you know, I don't know. I don't really understand the the low the Lobo scene didn't need to be in there, but I guess we needed a cosmic presence. So the procession passes by one of the orphanages. A child is there talking about how Superman saved his cat from a tree. He sees another kid being bullied by his older brother, and he goes and invites the kid over and offers his cat to help comfort this boy. Um, There's a terrorist there who's there to kill a, a foreign president, but Batman is there to stop him. And he's he tells him, you know, basically he's tempted to drop him off the building because, you know, Batman doesn't just swing down and go, hey, knock it off. Boom. Pop him in the face. He's got to get him with this bat line and pull the guy up, hang him from the building. And he's tempted to drop him. But you know what? It's Superman City. So he's going to play by Superman's rules. And so he leaves him hanging there, begging to be arrested. We see other denizens of Metropolis mourning, such as Professor Hamilton the citizens of the underworld, they're all mourning Superman in their own way. At Bibbo's bar, he catches a man trying to profit from the death of Superman and just about goes off on the guy. But the guy, you know, he explains this is the only way he has to earn money. Superman saved him, and this is the only way he has to earn money. And he he's trying to, you know, he's trying to honor Superman, but he's gotta, he's gotta pay the rent. And so Bibbo decides to help him by offering him a job. He buys all of his stuff and then he offers him a job. All right, so at Centennial Park, Lois and Jimmy are separated, which causes Jimmy to encounter Rex Leach. He is a guy who, uh, he's a publisher and he wants to profit off of the picture of Superman's death. Jimmy punches him away and uh, his goons attempt to shoot him, but Robin's there and he stops him. But thanks to that incident, fights now have started. Everything t- starts turning into chaos, and the heroes and residents have to try to to corral everybody and get them back into, you know, a state of calmness. Back in Smallville, Martha's watching this all on the television, and she just can't believe that, you know, what's happening at the funeral. It's, it's a mockery. It's their son, and so. She and Jonathan decide they're going to mourn their own way and they take a few mementos of Clark's childhood. They go to the hole where the the spaceship crashed and uh you know that brought Clark to Earth and they that's they have their own little funeral there for for their son. Again, it really affects me those scenes. Back at the funeral, we have President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton, and they give a small speech about Superman as the body is lowered into the tomb. And it's at this point that Lois finally calls the Kents. And immediately, their first thoughts are about her. And they promise that they will be there at Metropolis right away. I love the Kents. I love Jonathan and Martha Kent. They're the reason Superman is the way he is. They are good people. And that's why Superman is a good person. All right, so we go from there to Superman number 75. This is written and drawn by Dan Juergens. Finished art by Brett Breeding. Letters by John Costanza. And the GW Glenn Whitmore is on colors. So on the rooftop of the Daily Planet, the Justice League and other heroes gather so they can do one last thing to honor Superman. Mitch Anderson, he is the teenager from one of the previous issues He's the kid with the backwards hat that was at the uh, Superman's high school appearance. He had the the mom who's a single mom with the little baby girl. And he he thinks he's the reason that Superman died. Because he forced Superman to turn around to save them. He feels that Superman had Doomsday on the ropes. And had he not needed to be saved, Superman would still be alive. So he comes to Metropolis because he wants to apologize to someone close to Superman. He wants to apologize. He, he feels it's his fault. He finds a woman who has announced to the world that she is Superman's wife. Lois is there, of course, as a representative of the newspaper. And she's just whatever. And she leaves. Jimmy was there with her. And so he's left standing alone. Jimmy notices Mitch and kind of recognizes him from the news footage. And then he goes to talk to him and... 
Mitch tells him his story, and so Jimmy takes him somewhere to get him something to eat. Back at Clark's apartment, Lois is feeling bad for blowing up about this woman, and that's when Jonathan and Martha arrive with Lana Lang to help her out. All these superheroes now who have gathered to do something for Superman, they're at the Metropolis post office. Uh, apparently, Superman would, he gets all this mail, and he would go there to the to the post office, I don't know, it was like once a year or something, to read through these letters. And at, so they start reading through the letters, and as they're reading through them, they're, they, they find a lot of requests for help. For example, Guy discovers a letter from a sickly woman begging to be reunited with her son before she dies. They find a letter from Mitch's mother thanking Superman for saving their lives. Uh, but of course, Doomsday destroyed their home. So this is when that all the heroes just realize this is something that they can do to help with Superman, you know, to, to help honor his memory. And so they go start, they go out and they help these people. So we go to Hobbs Bay Grill. Mitch is there with Jimmy and Bibbo. Bibbo tries to reassure Mitch that this wasn't his fault. Mitch, it's not his fault. Mitch feels that he uh, jinxed everything. He wanted, and he explains, you know, why he's there. And so Jimmy and Bibbo decide, you know, they can, they're going to take uh, Mitch somewhere so that he can apologize. I, I believe they take him to the, to the memorial. I'm not, now I, I actually quite, can't quite remember at this point, but I know that Bibbo gives Mitch money to fly back home. Back in Clark's apartment, Lois, Lana, Martha, and Jonathan are talking about what, what they need to do when it comes to it. And, you know, basically, again, the world does, you know, they, they must never know that Superman and Clark were one and the same. And then we, we go through, uh, the various things that the heroes are doing to help people. Uh, we do go to the Superman memorial and Mitch is there making his peace with Superman. So I guess I did remember because I noted it. So he's, he's apologizing. He's making his peace with everything. And, uh, but underneath the Superman memorial, we find Paul Westfield has taken Superman's body. Hey, then now I always remember the time we met in middle September. You had fallen down and I was there to pick you right back up. That was then And since that day You know I've been watching Above the clouds And every so often I can catch your eye see you smile back Cause we both now know takes us to The Adventures of Superman 499. This is written by Jerry Ordway, pencils by Tom Grummet, inks by Doug Hazelwood, letters by Albert de Guzman, and colors, well, you know who that was. So Luther and Supergirl are awakened in the middle of the night by an alarm. Uh, Luther had this alarm installed in Superman's tomb, and the alarm goes off. They can't, you know, they immediately try to find out what's going on through uh, video cameras, surveillance cameras, but they've been disabled. And infrared shows that uh, there's movement. Someone is leaving the tomb. And so they both think that maybe Superman might be alive after all. And Lex sends Supergirl to investigate. He has a secret tunnel that he has installed uh, to access the tomb. And so she goes to investigate. She has to remove a giant grill. It looks like a big ventilation tunnel, basically. And there's a giant metal grill on the outside. She removes it. An undercover cop who is there sees her enter the tomb and he calls Dan Turpin. Supergirl gets inside the tomb and she's, she sees that the coffin is missing. 
and that there's a hole drilled into the tomb's walls. Outside the tomb, Jose Delgado, who has been dumped by Cat Grant, uh, starts thinking about maybe uh, giving gangs, Gangbuster another try. He's been told by Inspector Henderson, who apparently is tied in with the whole Gangbuster thing, that he shouldn't. And Lois, Jonathan, and Martha spend their night comforting each other before Jonathan and Martha return to Smallville the next day. In the meantime, Supergirl is talking to Lex through uh, on a radio, telling him that there's a hole in the wall made from the outside. The tunnel is very is made very with, with some uh, very sophisticated means. Turpin arrives on the scene and enters the tunnel after her. We go from there to Suicide Slum. Jose Delgado is now gangbuster, and he and Bibbo take care of some some thugs. We go back to the tunnel. Superman, Supergirl hears voices coming from a fork in the tunnel path, and that's when she comes in contact with the Underworlders. Turpin catches up to her, and there's a big fight with her and the Underworlders and Turpin. And then a couple of live grenades go off, and Supergirl and Turpin take off. They're, you know, ah, explosion, and they take off. Phew. That, that's the level of drama you get on my show. Of course, the explosion causes a caveman. A caveman? I apologize, folks. Uh, I'm lapsing into senility here. I would like to see an explosion cause a caveman. Maybe, uh, maybe I should write a story about that. But anyway, the explosion causes a cave-in. Supergirl returns to Lex to tell him everything. And Turpin reports back to his boss, Maggie Sawyer. And she has a good hunch who has Superman's body, Cadmus. And from here, we go to Supergirl in Action Comics number 686, written by Roger Stern, art by Jackson Geis and Dennis Rodier, letters by Bill Oakley. And I'm fr- I don't, I'm tired of talking about this dude. The big G, Glenn Whitmore. So Guardian, he's on leave from Cadmus. He apprehends a group of armed criminals in a stolen delivery van. And then suddenly Double X contacts him telepathically, telling him that he must return to Cadmus immediately. Lex Luthor is on his way to Centennial Park to investigate this whole Superman's missing thing. And he confides in, you know, he's got this helper. I don't know. He's, I think he's there just for Luther to smack around. His name's Sidney Happerson. And he's confiding in him this feeling of paranoia about Superman's body being missing. He can, he, he's, he's considering the fact that maybe Superman faked his death just like Luther did. Because if you remember, we talked about this last month. This is supposed to be Lex Luthor's son, but it's actually a clone of Lex Luthor because he was dying of cancer caused by a kryptonite ring that he wore. And so he faked his death and now he is playing the part of his son. When he arrives, Supergirl fills him in on what happened down in the tomb. Maggie Sawyer confronts Luthor. Why would the tomb have a secret tunnel? And Luther tells her that the site of the of the tomb was originally planned to hold a time capsule. And they found that it was the ideal place to construct Superman's memorial statue and tomb. But they get beyond that and they decide to investigate the tunnel. So Guardian returns to Cadmus and finds Paul Westfield trying to obtain tissue samples from Superman's body. And Guardian is pissed. Guardian's like, oh, I'm going to kick your butts. But... Double X, he's the, he's the logical one. He's the Spock. He holds him back. So Guardian basically explains, you know, because Guardian's a clone, they clone Guardian. That's fine. But Guardian is a clone of the original Guardian with the original Guardian's mind. So even if they could clone Superman, they don't have his mind. His, his, his brain is dead. And, uh, one of the folks there says that Double X has, gotten so many mental impressions from Superman that they could use that to create the clone of Superman. And so Guardian thinks that's a pretty good idea, and he agrees that they should continue on the condition that the project's head doctors be in charge and not Paul Westfield. He does not trust Paul Westfield, and he shouldn't because the man's a creep. So we go back to the underground tunnels and Luther accidentally sets off an explosive device. It was placed there by Cadmus 
to seal up the tunnel. Everybody survives, but the explosion cracked a spot in the cave that lie, that's right beneath Hobbs River and the cave's flood. Everybody agrees to keep the news of Superman's missing body a secret because they know that people are going to freak out and there might be riots. Because, you know, everybody knows now at this point that Cadmus is responsible and they're going to then they're 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 formulating a plan. As the issue ends, we go back to Lois, who's saying goodbye to Jonathan and Martha and Lana and Lois. Have a tearful goodbye. actually leave you with that this let's just put it this way this uh this book was huge i took 12 pages worth of notes on these issues and i'm only on page six and we are running about the normal length of a normal episode thus far i don't want this sucker to be about an hour and a half long and frankly, my brain is starting to melt and I'm tripping over words, which I know you guys love. All you guys and girls out there, you love it. You love to hear me slipping into senility. That's fine. I get it. But I'm going to go ahead and stop there and we'll continue this next month instead of more of the reign of Superman. See, that didn't make any sense. So next month, instead of doing Reign of the Superman, we'll continue with Funeral for a Friend because there's a lot here. And a lot of this, you know, while a lot of this is them trying to come to grips with Superman being gone, a lot of it is also setting up what we're going to see in the Reign of Superman storyline. A lot of this stuff with Cadmus is part of that. I will admit that when Simon was was a little guy and I read this story to him, I skipped Funeral for a Friend. I don't know if I would consider this critical when it comes to the death and return of Superman storyline, but there is a lot. I was just I'm a, I was amazed how much is actually here and there are a lot of single one-off issues that you know, I may skip when we start talking about it again next week and just stick with the main stuff, because there is still, like I said, quite a bit of information here to go. And actually, as I'm looking through my notes, a lot of this really, I can probably summarize really quick. Maybe we don't have to come back to this month, back to this next month, because really the important, the important issue here is the very last one. So here, here's what we got going on. All right. So let me, let me try and, and summarize what, how we get to where we need to get. Because like I said, there is just a lot of, a lot of stuff. They, they really wanted to really show what impact Superman had. So they, they, like I said, they had a lot of one-off issues, a lot of special issues, but ultimately what this story is about is Cadmus stealing Superman's body and then Lois going to get it back. And it's kind of a crazy story because she uses the help of the underworlders to help uh, get into Cadmus because <laughs> because the underworlders are like mutants. They are and 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 they have special powers and whatnot. Some of them. So, for example, they have to go. Um, 
through the river uh, into a secret place. And in order to do that, one of the underworlders is a giant frog that they climb into its mouth and it swims them to where it needs to be. And there is like a seal boy that's with him. And it's he is some kind of uh, telepath that can only communicate through word balloons with pictures. And that that's really hard for me to wrap my head around. We also are introduced throughout this funeral for a friend to the Newsboy Legion. So the Cadmus Project is made up of like these four guys who back in the day, they were these kids called the Newsboy Legion who used to hang around with the original Guardian when he would get, when he, you know, he had adventures. He was like their Jimmy, Ol- like a bunch of Jimmy Olsons. Um, now they're adults and they created clones of themselves as kids and a clone of Guardian. And that's kind of weird. But Lois breaks in. She's able to uh, get Superman's body back. But in the meantime, Jonathan Kent has a heart attack. He's out in the field. He has a heart attack. They rush him to the hospital. They're, the, the, the issue that is really the best one in this whole funeral for a friend, it's Adventures of Superman number 500. It's called Back from the Dead. It's written by Jerry Ordway, pencils by Tom Grummet, inks by Doug Hazelwood, letters by Albert de Guzman, and colors by Glenn Whitmore. So Jonathan has had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. And as the doctors try to save him, his spirit leaves his body and he starts experiencing visions of his past. He He's experiencing being a soldier in the Korean War. He's trying to save the life of a drowned airman. He sees his brother Harry dressed in military fatigues. And he knows that something's wrong because Harry Kent died in a farming accident in Smallville and not in Korea. And he discovers that the man he's trying to rescue, this airman, is not... Who he, who he thought he was, but it's actually Superman. And so he realizes he's trying to save his son and he's telling Clark, you know, you have to come back. And Clark says, no, I have to go on. I have to move on to the afterlife. But Jonathan, he's not going to, he's, he's not going to let that happen. And he pleads with Clark. He tells him that it's not the time. And basically he spends this time in the spirit world, uh, trying to get Clark back. And he does. He, 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 he in essence, brings what he thinks is Clark back to life. And he wakes up on the table and he's, you know, he's very excitable and everybody's trying to calm him down. And he manages to tell Martha that he brought Clark back. And so from there, we start hearing, uh, Lois is hearing rumors that Superman has returned to Metropolis. She's kind of, you know, she's like, whatever. Uh, But she decides to investigate. And so she contacts Inspector Henderson, they go to the Centennial Park to the tomb and they get inside and they find that Superman's coffin is empty. And that's how Funeral for a Friend ends. So really, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of crap, I think, to wade through to really get to the important part of this. I mean, for me, I think a lot of people could enjoy, you know, you know, this is more of a dramatic emotional story, this this particular uh, trade, this part of the storyline, this act, the funeral for a friend. And um, I do and I did enjoy it. It's just not my favorite of the four. To me, it's almost like, okay, this is what you need to get through to get to the good stuff. And I, I'll tell you right now, if if you read it, then maybe you know, I don't know, you probably loved it. I'm probably just a weird person. But for me, it was all about that last issue. The stuff with Cadmus is important because that will come into play in the reign of the Superman and how Superman might be back. But in the end, it all comes down to this, this, this last issue because that too uh, deals with what we have going on in the in reign of the Superman. And, and I want to talk about this last issue really quick, this, this Adventures of Superman number 500. I just want to talk about the art real quick because I'm a big, I'm, I'm a Tom Grummet fan, but I haven't really seen much out of him after Superman. The book itself is beautiful. The scenes with Jonathan and Clark out there in the spirit world, just gorgeous stuff. And his art, um, and even the Dan Jurgen stuff to a certain extent, 
kind of harkens back to like, like the old classic, like a John Byrne, George Perez, Sal Busima, that kind of stuff, you know, from back in the days. And that, that's one of the things I, I'm, I'm loving about this series is, is, is the art. Um, so that last issue, the adventures of Superman number 500 was probably my most favorite from this collection. And again, we skipped a bunch of stuff because there is just a lot of what I think is filler. If you read the book, you're going to get that. You're going to know there's just a lot. There's like a, there's like a, 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 an issue with just these, I don't know. They're, they're just like these. They're not even like, cause you have the A story and the B story. That's, you know, these are like the D and F and G stories. These, you have Wave Rider thinking about uh, going back in time to save Superman. You have, I don't know, uh, uh, some different uh, superheroes or some some vigilantes that try to take Superman's place. It just, it was just too much for me in the end. I read it. I made 12 pages worth of notes. And as you can see, halfway into it, I realized this is just too much. This is just too much for one episode. And what was left was not going to be good enough to just split into two episodes. So thank you for bearing with me. Yeah, that was Funeral for a Friend. I don't know what else to say. I enjoyed it, but it's the least, it's my least liked of the four books. So thank you for bearing with me and listening to the Stephen or Else podcast. You can email your questions and comments to stephenorels at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment to the episode on the site. That's at stephenorels.com. You can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stephenorels. And I would also like to invite you to join me over at the Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash stephenorelse. And of course, if you want to support the show, you can do that over at the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And with that, you'll get exclusive mostly exclusive access to my other podcast, which releases twice a week. And I say mostly because every once in a while, I might take a couple of those episodes and play them here on the main feed. Uh, every, every now and again, I do a spotlight on my other podcast. All right. The music from this episode comes from Kirby Crackle. You can find them online at kirbycracklemusic.com. That link will be in the show note show notes along with every other link we talked about they're all going to be in the show notes so until next week i'm steven and this has been my podcast be nice to each other Good job. Yeah.